This, this, this is Biz Owners Ed, where you'll learn how to start, grow, and scale your business with teachings from some of the most successful and high-volume entrepreneurs. Connect with us today at bizownersed.com. Now, let's make it happen. All right. Uh, you guys are in for such a treat tonight. Um, I would say if I ever die and I get to come back, I want to come back as me. <laughs> it's pretty fun. But if I can't come back as me, I want to come back as Evan. If I die, I can't come back as me and I can't come back as Evan. I want to come back as Tony Hartle. And that is the truth. And let me tell you a little bit about this guy. He was the founder and CEO and he built and capitalized and grew and scaled and did everything that we're talking about and built one of the greatest company cultures probably, uh, you know, in the history of Dallas business and maybe in the history of Texas, maybe in the world. I don't know. But I can tell you that he built that thing and he sold it for a huge amount of money. And he sold it to a a group, uh, I think Palm Beach uh, Tan. So he he built and developed Planet Tan. He grew it to a huge enterprise uh, which actually had, uh, you know, like hundred and let's see, how many people did you have in that thing? 160 employees, 17 locations, and 13 years of uh, effort. And then he cashed in huge. So uh, the reason I want to uh, be able to come back as him is that then he went on a rampage of fun and uh, ended up going to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where he uh, built a beautiful house and, uh, you know, just absolutely crushed it up there. And then he thought, well, I want to have a goal of going to uh, 30 different countries. So he did. And while he was in Argentina, he decided, well, maybe I ought to get in the wine business. So he bought a winery in Argentina, which everybody should, you know, um, and why not? Anyway, uh, he's amazing. And they did some incredible things. They actually got a 94 point uh, on a Malbec that they did in Wine Enthusiast uh, back in a 2015 and all of that. But I mean, just the history of this guy and what he's put together and the way he lives his life is just full of joy and fun. And you want to talk about living a big life? Tony has lived a big life. And now uh, he decided to come back out of that retirement and uh, get back in action. So Tony is uh, doing an incredible job right now. He's got a new challenge down in Austin. Uh, He's launched a Crunch Fitness in Central Texas. He's got a fresh headquarters down in Austin. Uh, Tony plans to develop 21 new ones of these. And I'm telling you, each one of these, you got 30, going for 30. 35. All right, we're going for 35. Remember how we talked about having a destination, knowing exactly what it is that you're trying to do. Anyway, I'm not going to stand up here and continue yapping. I want to introduce Tony Hartle. Jay's got a word, and then Tony, you are up, my friend. Glad you're here. I've got to tell you, the best introduction to Tony is when he finally got screwing around with the vineyard business and and got serious again. Uh, The fact is, Crunch Fitness is not big in this area, but on the east and west coast. Tony opened uh, about a year ago the first Crunch Fitness uh, uh, franchise that he's got many lined up now. He's got six open. But the first one he opened was like number 251 in the Crunch system. He broke every single record the first 250 had in opening a new location. You're talking about a man that knows culture and how to do it, and thank God he got out of the wine business. And with that, Tony Hartle, everybody. Here you go. Thank you. Hey. Well, there's a lot of truth to that. I certainly didn't make I didn't make any money, but I had a great time in the wine industry, so that's, that's the truth. So uh, what I'm going to talk about today, and hopefully it'll be relevant, is this is, you know, Planetan, I started in 19, so to give you perspective and context, I started Planetan in 1995 with $10,000 and a, uh, a Citibank credit card that I got in college, an undergrad, uh, that had a $2,000 credit limit, and that was my line of credit. And literally from there is when I developed you know, the concept of Planet Tan, which was a big box chain of tanning facilities that ended up having about 50 tanning beds, which were the largest in the world at the time, and on most days would tan about 700 people per day per location. So it was a big throughput model. And so what I'm going to do is try to hopefully give some information that you find applicable, because 
I think all businesses come down to a few things. It's people, sales, and profit, right? And when I think about business, I think about really now I think about people, process, right, product, and then profit. And so I put the people first. Most people talk about that, and I'll try to walk through actually a methodology and a philosophy about how I do that rather than say, oh, people are important. I really think getting the right person for the right job is critical. I think Jason Wilford did an excellent job illustrating that. I'm a huge fan of Culture Index. I don't get any kickback. I, I would like a kickback. But uh, I, I don't get any incentive for saying that. But I do think uh, taking out the mystery of finding good people, coming up with an interview matrix, coming up with a psychometrics, and coming up with multiple interviews, and then a backdoor channel, I think can increase your likelihood of success, right? understanding the outcome that you're looking for. So hopefully I'll talk about what's relevant and I'll talk about Planetam because that's my my experience. And now and I'll talk shortly about Crunch Fitness, my decision to purchase a franchise as opposed to create a brand from scratch at 50, right? I'd been, like I do things like long, right? Like I've only had three jobs in my life, right? Like so my last job was like 14 years, Planet Tan, and then when I retired, I retired for 10 years, right? So I'm like not going to do anything for like 18 months. I'm going to do it for years, right? And so then I traveled the world and lived in Argentina and did some really fun things. Um, but the point is, I always am very clear what I'm working towards. And I think that's, that's kind of a superpower, being proactive and being very clear about where you want to go, right? And a little bit more of the manifestation of your destiny. It's like, no, it's very smart, right? Specific, measurable, actionable, results-oriented, timely. Like, it's specific when I do things. So I'm going to talk about how we did it with Planetan, and hopefully some of that will relate back to you. So there's three really building blocks that I feel to organizations. One is, obviously, it's, it's a little small. It's creating a, a caring culture, right? So culture is number one for me, right? Caring culture. And I don't know if this presentation is going to come out, but feel free to take photographs. Number two, it's an unforgettable experience, right? Really thinking through what that process looks like from door rings, door swings to phone rings, like from the, the moment someone enters to the moment someone ex exits. And then number three is off-center branding. And, and that's more of the creative side, and I'll talk about that. But I think Richard Branson said it best, is a, a business is simple as an idea to make other people's lives better, right? And so what I see myself now is a catalyst for positive change in the fitness industry. That's really the motivation for me to come out of retirement is, you know, I was impacting my son's life and I was impacting maybe some boards that I sat on. But for 10 years, really being out of the game is I wasn't impacting many people. And so this gives me a big format to really create positive change. We have over 40,000 active members in 18 months that are paying us on average 25 bucks. So the business has scaled very rapidly and we'll have over 100,000 paying clients by the end of next year. So it scales very rapidly. So this can work in any business. I'm in the reoccurring revenue business. I wrote a book called Selling Sunshine. I wrote it in 2011. It was an opportunity to memorialize my concepts and a place to share with you some ideas that I thought were valuable. I was reading books on average about two books a month to try to triangulate and put together a thesis of how to approach business in a high-value, high-scale business. What I attempted to do with Selling Sunshine is put a lot of concepts together that are actionable, right, not, not theory. The first thing that I think about with culture is attraction, acclimation, development, care. So attraction is how do we go about like getting people, right? And Jason Williford talked about that. And that's the attraction. That's everything from your copy. That's everything from your mediums of who you're, you're utilizing, whether it's LinkedIn, Indeed, whatever it is, career plug. What is your medium? Attraction, acclimation is how do they get onboarded? And then you look at development and then care. So I'm going to walk through all four of those. Attraction for us, Careers at Planet Tan, we really put into the copy the things that we didn't want. And so we wrote in a very specific style, a personality, if you will. We, we weren't a, a, a company of politics. We were a small organization that moved fast. I always called it a 16-foot speedboat. We could make rapid decisions that took common sense, did not take a board to make decisions. And I think you always want to behave in that way. Pace is really critical. I know in culture index world, you're looking really for people that have high autonomy, low patience right? High autonomy. They are able to work on their own. They don't need to be told what to do. And low patience, meaning they're not going to wait too long to move the needle forward. That's really what we look for in businesses that people are required to drive the revenue. High autonomy, low patience. This was the action. Now, this is old, 
This is, I sold the company in 2008, so this is from that period. And so as antiquated as it is, what I want to show you is there is a real methodology. From the moment someone came in as an applicant to the moment we actually did a hire and to onboarding someone. Typically for us, a general manager was about 200 applications to one hire. Right, A staff member at the front desk in an industry that's high retail typically has about 120% attrition. We cut it down to 27%. A lot of it went into the methodology of hiring and then onboarding, but having a very clear picture of what that roadmap looked like. PXT at the time was our culture index. When you acclimate someone, one of the first things that I think about is when they show up in advance, sometimes you give them a, a packet of information and you say, go over here and fill this out. And that's kind of day one. And I think about, you know, it's like courting someone, right? Like when you're courting someone, like if all of a sudden you catch them and then all of a sudden the, the experience goes down from there, it's kind of the same thing with employees. You want the experience to go up from there. And so when someone starts day one, depending on your environment, one of the things that I like to think about is the business cards are ready, and I know business cards aren't the most popular thing anymore, so I'm a little dated on my discussions, but there's other things you can do. If they have a desk, there's always a frame so they can put a picture of their family. Until someone puts a picture of their family up, we don't really know if they're really vested right, in the business. So we like to have a picture frame for where anywhere someone's going to work. We like to have an easel up that everyone signs, and we like to take someone to lunch the first day of the work. And so this is in a small environment. You can do this at a, at a bakery or a corporate or a technology company. The bottom line is it shows give a shit factor. Like, I care about you. You're valuable. I hired you and it's only gonna get better from here. That's all you're communicating. It really doesn't matter what you give the person. It's showing that you care, and that's the key. So for us, we utilized our values, like work hard, have fun, make history. And by the way, when I, th I come from a marketing background, when I think about values and mission statements and all these really long, pithy types of statements, they're hard to even remember, let alone regurgitate. So I like short, choppy, powerful sound bites. Work hard. Have fun. I'm from the Midwest. Work hard. Have fun. Anything worth doing is worth having a good time. And then make history. If you're going to do something, it's kind of like Benjamin Franklin. Once a job has first begun, leave it not until it's done. Whether matter is great or small, do it well or not at all. Like, do it well. Or just don't do it. And so I encapsulated my values in short sound bites. And I really recommend that. All the Planetan employees remember those values. And then have business cards that actually reinforce the values of the organization. Treat others like you want to be treated, right? They're simple statements, they're sandbox values, but they're still powerful, especially for millennials that really don't know the direction of their life. I like to share that even more with those people. These are the things that I talked about, whether it's an easel, whether it's a frame, whether it's taking people to lunch. The bottom line is you want to show people that you care. One of the easiest things to do is to help someone that's new to your business have either an advocate or a mentor. It doesn't have to cost anything, but usually there's someone that knows how things get done in your organization and where to go to lunch and how to get set up and someone that might be able to guide them through the process. It doesn't cost anything at all to assign a mentor to your new employee for a period of time and someone that's really invested in making sure that they have a good onboarding experience. They feel good about it, right? It's a way to empower them, but it's also a great way to show give a shit factor, which is mentors. Develop. Everybody wants to develop their people. One of the things that I did, uh, very untraditional, uh, when I did sessions for planning and I did annual goal setting or quarterly goal setting, I never liked to sit across from someone, right? And so obviously I used the concept where I sat next to someone. But then I took it a step further and I went to beanbags. I pulled out all the corporate chairs and offices and literally there was a candle in the middle and there were beanbags and people were like, what the hell am I getting myself into? Right? But we would sit down and rather than say, hey, this is orientation, this is tradition, this is the way, this is the way we got started. This is who we are and this is where we're going and hopefully you're really stoked about that and you're going to have a great career and if you're not, we understand. But it was about being true to who we really were and providing that kind of that pathway. And so beanbags, whatever you might do, is another representation of there's another way to approach business where I can take, you know, business really serious, but not to take myself so serious, right? Is that it can be light, it can be fun, but we can still get a lot of shit done. The other thing that I would do is called Bob. 
Bob is a kind of a, Inc. Magazine did a big write-up on me, how I would go about meetings, right? The beanbags is, I think, pretty cool. But Bob was business on the boat. Whenever there was annual strategy or planning, again, I never wanted to sit across from someone. I, I didn't want it to feel like a negotiation. I wanted it to be a collaboration. I didn't want it to be a monologue. I wanted it to be a dialogue. I wanted to have a discussion. Where are we going? What do you want? Rather than me saying, hey, this is what I recommend you do. Here's what you should do to get there. And here's the steps that you're going to take, right? I'm a high A, right? So that's my natural tendency. Another way to say is, hey, have you thought about what steps we might need to take milestones by when and what can I do to support you, right? So more of a collaborative approach to support Sheila's growth, right? Because my natural tendency would be like, Sheila, I want a million dollars by this date. And what are we going to do? How am I going to get there? And Sheila might not be the type of person that is going to really respond to that. So it's really getting to know your people in sort of an unorthodox way that might seem a little different. But look, it takes so much time to replace people. It really does. I mean, so I'll give you a short story. I had 160 when I sold my company. I already have 304 employees in 18 months. Literally, we'll have over 1,000 in the next year, like 1,000 employees. And so I've like massively scaled using these concepts. Now, of course, I'm using mobile devices. I'm using different technology, and I didn't change my presentation. But I share that with you because I think that human touch, that one-on-one, I think that matters, and I think the more that you can scale. There's two things I tell my executive team. Two things. I'm into performance management, I'm into higher performance, and I'm into higher humanity. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm all about performance. I'm all about compressing the amount of time to hit my goal, right? Doing whatever mediums, and you guys know this, in business, if there's a 100 things going on, there's only three things that matter, right? Everything doesn't matter. Right, Those are the high leverage activities. Your people are your high leverage activities. Getting that right is really important. Pillar principles was something I designed uh, to really communicate what, what we wanted for employees. We called it beach bag, castaway, one equals three. That really came from the container store. We kind of stole that one. Hole in the boat. That was when anything was obviously, if there was a light out, Michelle and I worked together, you probably remember that. I was just like a Nazi when it came to like trash in the parking lot, smudges on the door. And you know, this is a tanning salon. But at the end of the day, my goal was never to have like a great tanning salon. Literally, my, my vision was to be the best in the world in that industry. Literally, that's how I thought. And everything that I was doing was either taking me in that direction or taking me in another direction. And magic in the air. That's obviously making a first impression that's magical to someone. It's doing little things that mean a lot. And then preparing the mind. Learning. One of the, one of the greatest things that I figured out at Planet Tan, there's a lot of things. Obviously, people want a great place to work. They want to feel heard. They want to have a future. They want to have a, a career path. But your investment into their learning and development is one of the best things for retention. I literally have a budget that's set aside based on training people. So I'm all about carving off a couple points of, if it's 25 million, there's a half million. It's about two points goes towards ongoing learning and development on top of the L&D department. Now, it doesn't count their salaries. It's ongoing programs, whether it's Vern Harnish, scaling, whatever it might be. There's different things that I'm going to work with to help them. Because if I'm investing a couple points and they're returning 20 points back, that's a good ROI. So we got this idea from Starbucks, and it was called the Green Apron. And what I ended up developing was the Bronze Book. And what I did within the Bronze Book, and you can do this digitally, is I had a manual, I had a small little book that told all about the values, the core values, what do leaders do, who were we as an organization, what did we value, and who were our partners, whether it was the Cowboys, the Mavericks, as an organization constantly looking for ways to reinforce what's important. One of the other things I did as a leader is create a PAC, which is President's Advisory Council. One of the key things about PAC was, if you were a manager, you could not attend. It was only hourly employees. And so I always was, I was looking for ways to provide an outlet, a conduit for feedback about really what was going on in the organization. And so PAC, one of the things that you can do, no matter what you call it, this was a way for me to meet semi-annually with the front-level employees, the front line, and listen, hey, what's working? What do we need to change? What do we need to stop doing? What do we need to do more of? And tell me your best idea that you think would help us. And, and what we do, would we would 
We would create this where people felt special to participate. We used to do it at SMU. Now we'll do it at UT. But we do it in a learning environment to reinforce what kind of culture we have. And then care, obviously. You know, you could say, hey, you're a good place, but we, you know, this is a little tanning company. We won best companies to work for 2006 and 7. We were always in D Magazine, Inc. Magazine, Success. I was on the cover of whatever tanning magazine. But the point was it reinforced, hey, this is a really good place to work. We want to be the best place to work and tan. And now my whole vision is the best place to work and work out, right? And if we really think about, and where I spend most of my time is, I'm always thinking about, how can I make someone's employment better? How can I make their life better? And what I figured out is if I can think through making someone a little bit happier at work, it's going to translate to the consumer. It's going to translate to the customer. Happy employees, you've already got them physically. Now you want to share the mind. The biggest thing is share the heart. When you get share of the heart, you get people that show up and they participate. And that's what you want. Someone that has a connection. It's impossible. It's very difficult to leave a relationship, right? It's hard, right? It's sticky. It's very easy to leave a transaction, right? Something that's transactional. And so you want it to feel like there's there's some some stickiness, and that's getting their involvement and really connecting at a heart level with people. Unforgettable experience. Everyone in your business, if you're scaling, you have customers. They have an experience. So for me, I wanted to be able to chart that out from the moment someone walked in to the moment they left. What? And you don't want to leave it up to chance, I'll say that again, because it'll look like a hundred different experiences a hundred different times if you don't articulate exact or create the architecture of what that experience is. You want to really think through every step, whether you're an app, you're a retail business, you're a, a hot dog stand, it really doesn't matter. The moment someone walks up, what do they see? What do they feel? What do they smell? And when they leave, how do we want them to walk away? And you have to be very intentional. You have to show up with intention and care every step of the way. So you can, and your job is to repeat that as much as you can all the time. And then iterate. Or as Jack Welch, who is one of the saddest passings, obviously, for all of us in leadership to see Jack Welch pass away, is he always called it MAC. MAC was measure, analyze, improve, control. MAC. Measure, analyze, improve, control. MAC it. And that was sort of a GE way. That was one of Jack Welch's strategies for iteration. Another thing is compress the time and iterate. Measure, analyze, improve, control. One of the greatest books, and it's old, and a little old, is Myth of Excellence. And what I love about the Myth of Excellence, if you haven't read, who, how many people have read it out here? No one, come on. Okay, you go buy the book. Like immediately, because there's five concepts in business, right? And it's more than price product. It's, it's price, it's product, Right? It's service, it's access, and it's experience. So the myth of excellence is not to try to be good at all things, but to be good at two main things. You have to have a primary and you have to have a secondary. So again, I'll tell you what the five are. It's price, it's product, right? It's service, it's access, and it's experience. So when you go to Starbucks, right, it's experience, right? When you go to Walmart, it's lowest price every day. So it's price, right? Target is more about, obviously, the experience as well. Crunch, Planet Tan. So Planet Tan was 50 tanning beds, 7-Eleven, seven days a week. It was access, right? Crunch, 20 bucks a month, 24-7, never have to make an appointment, no contracts. It's about access. So I'm a real access guy. My thing is about eliminating any reason why you wouldn't do business with me. That's my approach. There's five different approaches. The key is you have to figure out your number one and your number two because all of them are not equal. No one even cares about the bottom three. Figure out your top two. In our business, if we didn't have someone come back and refer, and rec- so for us in, in the tanning industry, typically on average someone would utilize a facility 48 times a year back in the day. And so our big thing was, okay, with da- data, how could we increase that to 53 times zero so we can increase the lifetime value, right? More interactions, more engagement, better retention, better referral. So we would study how do we, what do we do? We increase the hours, we remove contracts, anything to get someone to return, to engage with us. If you look at Amazon, how they're doing it with the mobile device, I'm not joking when I tell you, I have not been to the store in Austin in over a year. It's Amazon now. I mean, why would I go... I don't enjoy shopping. So I go to the Amazon now and I get everything. I get my vitamins. I get my food. I can get everything I want off this one app. 
They do such a good job making it easy for me to do business with them. So I return, and I'm talking about it now. The other thing is, everyone knows about referrer. Obviously, the, the lowest cost per acquisition is going to be a referral. But here's, here's the art, right? And this is really executive arts that we're doing right now. Where's the, the greatest opportunity in business? It's really, it's when you recover. When something goes wrong with a customer, your greatest opportunity is to way over deliver. So I'll give you a story. And this is back in the day again. So we, we bill people monthly. And one time we built, and it was my sister, the office manager of all people. We had billed some client like five times in a row, right? Because we billed each month through their checking account. And there was all this NSF, right? Overcharges. And the lady was just like, just beside herself, right? We created just a, a horrible experience. So what did I do? I literally went to the office and I got like all this tanning lotion. I went to the, the florist, bought flowers. I went and got a hundred dollar gift certificate to, uh, I think it was Albernay's or something like that. And I like showed up at this lady's office. Like she probably thought I was a stalker or something weird, right? Like I showed up and I was like, you know, is, 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 you know, Casey there? And they're like, yeah, she's here. And she's like, yeah, can I help you? I'm like, hi, I'm the guy that owns Planet 10. I'm so sorry. We overbilled you five different times. We're crediting that back today. And just to show how much we care. And I'm so sorry. And I totally get it if you want to cancel. But here's some flowers, here's a bunch of tanning stuff, here's a $100 gift certificate. We've already corrected the NSF. Here's what it did. Number one, the lady never left. And I didn't do it because she would refer anyone. I did it to send a message to my entire company. People matter, right? And if I would go over and above like that, what should they do? So it did a couple things. It created a story. It created a legend within my own organization that other people wanted to emulate. Because they're looking at... People are paying attention to how you're prioritizing your time. They're paying attention to what you think is important, not to what you're saying. And so if you want to be emulated in business, go above and beyond. Really blow someone away. Satisfied customers, we all know they're frequent users. They're highly engaged. They have a relationship, not a transaction with the business. They refer more people, which obviously are a lower cost per acquisition. How did we get referrals? We created advocates. We came up with easy ways for people to refer their friends. We looked at PayPal and other organizations where we removed the barrier to do business with us, where we almost incentivize our clients to do business with us, right? Because if you're looking at your cost per acquisition, even if you gave it away and you're equal and you get more clients, why would you not do that? So we came up with all kinds of ways that we were even paying people because it made money to acquire clients. Share your story become a necessary part of their lives, not a transaction. That's what, that's what happens when you get lots of people saying good things about you. But it's not business as usual, it's business that's unusual. Referral programs, we were constantly, so one of the biggest things in business is 40% of our clients came from referrals. This was a constant theme in our organization, how to come up with a way to help their friends do business with us. If you're not doing this, this is the easiest, lowest hanging piece of fruit that you can take advantage of, is figure out a way to help your customers refer other people to do business with you. And you don't even have to incentivize them, but you do need to make it easy. And we just come up with cheeky, you know, irreverent ways to communicate the same thing. And I talked about recover. This is one of the things about sending your people to learn. And one of the people that have been with me a really, really long time is the gal back there standing up, waiting to see if anything goes wrong for me. Dawn Byers. Say hi to Dawn, everyone. Hi, hi Dawn. <laughs> I'm like uh, Dawn's biggest fan. So Dawn is, is like a, you know, she creates algorithms. She's a BI gal. She's a business intelligence, right? She's super smart, knows how to automate things, mine data, help me mean, understand what the data means. But I sent Dawn off to SMU to learn some different things. And one of the things through the learning program that happened at SMU just happened. They were like, hey, is anyone using, at that time, NPS? And you got to understand, this is like 2007. No one was talking about NPS. We were. And we were looking at net promoter score. And they were like, hey, is anyone using this in a small to medium-sized company? Long story short, Dawn ends up getting me an interview with Fortune magazine, and I end up landing on the cover of Fortune because we're using it. So it really does pay to train your people. But uh, in that situation, that wasn't the intent. But uh, I, I cannot say it enough. A lot of good things happen when you train your people. Uh, for us, the biggest thing about NPS was, and you see it now, is what is the likelihood someone's going to continue to do business? There's ways that we automate it now where it comes out monthly and then we do it annually. This does not become part of the compensation. We don't want to have people gain this program. But what we do want to do is reinforce it through the reviews.
And you can do this with employees now, net promoter scores. And you want to get that survey out, the likelihood to return refer, uh, doing business with you immediately after someone has a transaction. You're going to be able to harvest so much information that that's your greatest opportunity. I highly recommend if you're not doing surveys constantly, do them. It's low cost, and you're going to get engagement. You're going to get people that obviously they're going to say something good, and you're going to have other customers that are unhappy. That's where the opportunity is to over-deliver on the people that are unhappy. Net promoter score is simple. Zero to six is a detractor. Passives are seven to eight. They'll move on for a better opportunity. And then promoters are nine to ten. Everyone looks at how do we get more referrals. The real opportunity is 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 honestly it's 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 the inversion of that. It's how do I eliminate the detractors. I'll give you an example. We had contracts back in the day. Why? Because when I was in the fitness industry coming up out of undergrad, everyone did contracts. So when I started the tanning company, we had contracts. Now, it seems so foreign now to lock people into agreements, but that was that was typical back then. And when Dawn came in, she challenged me, and she said, why are we doing contracts? And I said, well, because we've always done contracts. Why not? And she says, do you think that's really good for customers? And I said, I'm not sure, but if we find out and you know, we ask, and we can look at themes. And what happens when you do these surveys? You'll see, you'll see, is this a people issue or is this a process issue? Is this a one-off or is this a theme? Those are the ways I look at it. Is this a person issue or a process issue? Is this a one-off or a theme? And you'll start triangulating that data and you'll be able to synthesize it and come up to conclusions with it. For us, it was a process issue. We were contracts. That was a no-brainer. And we were worried, oh, everyone's going to quit. Everyone's going to cancel. And they didn't. This is a good thing when you have more promoters. They repeat, they buy more, they refer, they cut costs. Obviously, when you're not spending all this money in marketing to get new clients, it's much more cost effective. This is in uh, 2007. We surveyed 11,695. We had 11% response rate. A lot of that has to do with subject line testing, A-B testing with subject lines. Super important, the subject line. And no incentives when you do surveys. No incentives. They'll gain the score. You want it to be just as, you want, you want the, you want them to be agnostic and provide real feedback, right? So subject line is super key with NPS and no incentives. And we could see literally at that time, Dawn, who were we on par with, uh, that big company? We were with USAA and I think it was Apple when Fortune wrote it. We had the exact same client satisfaction at Planetan, USAA and Apple at that time. So, and here's how a small company can do it. Anyone can do this. 65.66, 66%, which was kind of mind-boggling at the time. I had less hair. I wear a cap. <laughs> Looked a little different. That's like, that's, 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 a, that's a, like a work warrior there. This is more of a laid-back guy now. But one of, the, one of the things that I said is this number basically gave us the ability to measure our member experience because the staff is going to say it's great, but the members are going to tell you what's really, really going on. Off-center branding, I'm a marketing guy. I cannot say enough good things about marketing. It creates an emotional connection to your brand. It creates a way that people feel and want to engage with you. And so in the tanning industry, you know, when I think about tanning back then, I think about girls in bathing suits, really tan, you know, really fit guys. And, and so we were the antithesis of that, like the antithesis. Like Mark Cuban was part of my campaigns. Like we created cartoon characters with the an illustrator from Universal. Anything that would say the same thing, hey, come here, look better naked, basically, is what I would tell my, my marketing team. Why do people tan? They don't really do it to oxidize their pigmentation to protect them against the sun. Maybe 1%. People want to look better naked. I mean, that's why they do it. So let's kind of cut to the chase, and let's tell that story in a really fun way. And so here's some examples of you know, how we approached it. <laughs> so this was pretty controversial in Dallas at the time, cheaper than a boob job. It was all over the radio. Kid Craddock was always joking about it. Um, it ended up in advertising age, this. And, um, but that's, come on. I mean, that's what it is, right? You're like, come on. Everybody looks better with the tan. And so um, other things we would do is this ad said, and you're not able to see the copy, it said, she wishes he had a tan. She wishes he had a tan and bigger hands. <laughs> this failed, dude. You know, it, again, that would cut through the clutter when we were going against a Palm Beach tan or we were going against another tanning. They, they weren't going to do this kind of advertising. And this really, it was, it was a courageous type of stance we took. But again, 
our, our charter was to be cheeky and to be irreverent and make sure that the communication was, hey, you're going to look better with the tan. There's all kinds of ways to tell that story. Uh, this was during the Olympics in some competitions, bronze wins. And then some of our creative, uh, that's Mark Cuban. Uh, so Mark, before he got married, when he just bought the team, so this is how a lot of these things work. So Mark had just bought the team, and we were introduced, and I said, hey, you know, a God, you know, it'd be so awesome if the Dallas Mavericks, we partnered with you guys, but I'm not really sure, like, African-American guys are seven foot tall is my demo, right? Like, I think it's cool. Like, I would love, you know, I'm from the Midwest, like the Mavericks and Cowboys and Stars are a big deal. But I was like, no, I said, Mark, honestly, what you represent is all about my brand. And Mark got it. And what Mark did at that time, you know, everyone remembers like the Dairy Queen thing and all that stuff. Uh, Mark was about associating with fun and irrelevance and, and ways to tell the story. So you don't have to be a billionaire to look like one. And so that was, that was pretty catchy. And Mark was in our robocalls. I mean, who wants to get a robocall? So we took robocalls because I just thought they were so obnoxious. I like hate robocalls. Like, I don't know about you guys. I don't know how my number has gotten on all these lists. I think I get like, 15 calls a day. And they look like people I would know, like close to my number. They're like sneaky, right? And when I started thinking about that back in the day, I'm like, everyone hates that. So I'm like, let's put Mark Cuban on a phone call. And so we put Mark Cuban, like, hey, this is Mark Cuban. Hi there, hot stuff, like to girls. And then the guy's like, hey there, buddy. So we did a little variable data. He cut two, AB. But we, like, they were like, that got out. And people would talk about it. Did you see what Planet Tan did with Mark Cuban? It was a fun way to tell a story in a unique way. This is our, uh, this is one of our I'm TV I'm really excited about it. I mean, the perfect team would be great. So what about the needle? What needle? Is there a needle? Like, real needle? Are you all right with the fact that it takes, like, four days to actually get a complete tattoo tan? Four days? I guess that's kind of important when you think about it in comparison to the rest of your life. So we were like, hey, get a permanent tattoo, come to Planet Tan. And people were like, oh, my God, like, permanent tattoos? And we had tattoo artists at all of our places. Yeah, it was a joke, right? But it got a lot of media attention. This was the ad that went on during the Mavericks. Mark made me pull this. Look what time it is in the morning. Nice tan. Thanks. She said, nice tan, thanks. <laughs> Again, it's different, right? Like... Nobody was going to run that kind of TNA advertising. Literally, Mark called me up and he goes, oh, my God, that's so funny, but you got to pull it. And I was like, I was like, okay, I'm pulling it right now. <laughs> and then uh, you remember William Hung, the first year of American Idol, right? So I called William Hung's manager. I forget her name, something Miss Hung. And, uh, and, I, and I hired William Hung to come to uh, Dallas for our grand opening of our Addison location. And we hired, like, the Dallas Maverick backup dancers. But then we also hired, like, dudes that just tanned at Planet Tan. And we had a choreographer come out and teach them how to dance. It was hilarious. We had, I think, 2,000 people showed up. All the media showed up in Addison. All the TV stations, radio stations. But William Hung sang Shebang, Shebang for the Addison grand opening. It was, it was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen in my life. But it was so fun. But what was even funnier was I had lunch uh, later that day at my house with Miss Hung and William Hung, and uh, I was talking to William Hung, and I was like, okay, so, like, in the, you know, the kid went to, like, Berkeley. I was like, okay, like, what's next for you? He said, I did a Christmas album. I said, awesome. I said, that's so cool. Like, what's it called? And he said, Hung for the Holidays. <laughs> I was like, Hung for the Holidays. I like that. That's going to be good. <laughs> I like it. I can I get an advanced copy of that. Uh, again, you want marketing to not just be crazy, right? It tells a story. And this told a story, again, this is really hard. If you're, if you're in the tanning space and you're trying to compete, this is really hard, right? Because we're telling the story in so many different ways, right? And then love. So one of the things that, like, for me, when I think about business, right, like, you've got all the, you know, so you can see things, and you're like, oh, that looks really beautiful. I love the design. I love the architecture that's, that's really beautiful, the, the way I can go online and integrate. And then, you know, you, you experience things, and you touch things, and you feel things. But I think, what, at least in retail, what I always wanted was people to, like, love my business. Literally love it. And I wanted employees to love it, too. And I'm not talking about, the, like, the love of a, a partner or the love of, like, the way you love your child or, 
any type of love, but I want them to walk out and it's one of those indescribable things to say, hey, you know what? I don't know what it, I just like love those guys. And they're like, well, what is it? Well, I don't know. It's like really cool. They're funny. Like they get it and they get me, but I just love it. And so I think there's a way that you can think about your brand and you can think about love. And this video is a way that I utilize it to tell the story to my team that what does it look like and feel like when it all comes together? David played and it pleased the Lord But you don't really care for music, do you? Well, it goes like this The fourth, the fifth The minor fall, the major lift The battle king composing a little surprise in life when you're not like expecting something all of a sudden something special is being injected strong, like these people but you need it and it shows up in different so ways with your brain create a caring culture and a little love from above, that's my mom, go Team Tony, uh, an unforgettable culture, a memorable experience, and, and really uh, impactful marketing, which to me is really love-based marketing, then I think you can create something dynamic, whether it's tanning, it's, it's internet, it's clothes, whatever it might be, but you can go out there with intention and care, and, and I hopefully that some of these ideas helped you. Thank you. Now, if anyone has any questions, I'm happy to give a minute and answer. Great entrepreneurs see a vision and they make it reality. And so few people can do that. But that's why we're here is to learn all of these techniques. And uh, this has been incredible. You know, the, the culture that you've built in my opinion, is your secret sauce, right? So yeah. you find people and you find ways to motivate them. But if you were to break it down to one or two words or phrases, basically, why people are so motivated to want to be part of your team and your tribe, which is really what you call your company mm -hmm. from a, a legal standpoint, your tribe is amazing. How do you get people ultimately 
to want to follow where you're going. Yeah. You're going to great places. Yeah. So I think that that's a great question, Jeff. So like, you know, why do you even train people, right? You train them to obviously align with your company values. You try train them for performance. You train them to, uh, to obviously produce a better, better customer experience. But how do you get great employees? Well, one is I think you really become very clear and articulate. Uh, articulate um, exactly who you are and what you stand for and what you what you what you aren't. And so for us, we're really an organization that uh, that really believes in uh, people uh, creating entrepreneurs. So one of the things that we did in the fitness industry that we got the idea from Chick Fil A was I don't have general managers, I have managing partners. So I don't have a general manager at a gym. I've got a person that owns 10% of that gym, and they stroked a check for about $100,000. I discounted the valuation. A gym's about $3 million. I discounted down to a million, and it's hundred grand for 10%. Now, you know, a gym will trade for eight to 10 times, so the clean gym is worth eight to 10 million already. And that person's already, like, guaranteed to be a millionaire. And so I think it's really caring about people and caring so much that you give people the opportunity, but the right people, the right opportunity. You, you made that point, and that's worth talking about because... Your first time around, the only regret you ever had was you didn't make more yeah, millionaires. Yeah, I couldn't take anybody else through the finish line, right? Yeah. So I took all the risk, but in hindsight, there were people that honestly, like Dawn, and Dawn's over there, and there's all these people, like you know how sophisticated and smart and sharp they are. I mean, you know that, and you know how much value they bring. And you know, like, you didn't come up with that. Like, for sure, you didn't. Like, you might have been a catalyst for it. And so my thought was, and Jay kind of really ingrained this, he's like, you know, how many millionaires have you made? And I said, well, this time around, I'm, I'm going to make, like, dozens. And so that was really one of my themes was take a bunch of people through the finish line with me when I exit this company. Why? Because, like, that's a legacy. Like, literally changing people's lives forever. Not just fitness is just the vehicle. Tanning was just the vehicle. It's another, it, my thing is changing people's lives that are my employees. And hopefully I change their lives. It'll impact my consumer, my customer, my member in this business. I have two questions. First of all, um, since we all know that I'm terrible with people now, um, <laughs> what, what, what would you recommend for, for an entrepreneur like myself, you know, trying to build a brand like you have, but I am terrible with people, as we all know. This is a good question. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know much about your business, and so really quickly I would be judging. But what I would say is if you have a partner, if there's someone better at it than you, that's where, you know, I'm not, you know, one of the things I always regret is I didn't take more accounting and finance in undergrad, right? There's people that are much smarter than me in, than myself in accounting and finance. And so I leave that to them to work with them, right? And so if not, I don't know, maybe there's a shift that needs to take place for you. I mean, let me tell you something. You have a bunch of people quit on you, walk out, you'll appreciate people really quick, right? And so it's almost like a stoic approach. I'm being serious. Like, so a little bit of stoicism is think what's the worst shit that could happen to you. And when that shit happens to you, you're going to be pretty grateful. So go ahead and be grateful now, right? Like, don't let the bad shit happen to you because bad shit's going to happen regardless. So if you go ahead and you grab a little share of somebody's heart, like, shit's going to happen, right? But if you got people that got your back, like, Dawn's been with me 14 years. Most of my people have been with me forever. So when I start another company, I do this little thing. I use a phone and go, guess what? We're going to do it again. And my ass is all talking about doing it again, right? Because, and they know, like, I'm real. Like, it's like, look, I might not be able to deliver things in the most politically correct way, right? But my intention is good, right? And so I think if people know your intention is good, and maybe you hype yourself back up about understanding the value of people, maybe you can figure it out. If not, delegate it to somebody else. And the second question was, uh, what is your morning routine like? Yeah, good, good question. So, uh, my morning routine, for the most part, is um, it's a couple things. Is I like to journal and have an Americano every morning. Uh, so I journal every day, and that's something I've done for, I think, the last 20 years. I have a journal, Rogue Journals. A little shout-out to this Oregon company, Rogue Journals. Custom makes my journals. They're about 100 bucks, And I use the Hemingway. If you're, you're making notes, the Hemingway Rogue Journal. It's super nice. It's custom. It's this old guy that makes beautiful leather journals. I write the year at the beginning of the year. There it is right there. That's my journal. It's always with me. Like, it's so valuable. 
God, do not open my journal, though. Whatever you do, right? Do not open my journal, whatever you do. Uh, I will pay you a lot of money not to take my journal. Um, so I journal, I have an Americano, and I work out. And I train every morning, and pretty much my typical routine is minimum one-hour one cardio every day. I'm 52, so I'm a sub-three marathon, or I climb mountains, and, and I'm, I'm an athlete. And so I'm, I want to be an entrepreneur and an athlete, and I want to be a great dad. And so that's, that's my focus. Um, I would like to know your first gym that you opened. It yeah. was not Clean. in Waco, the one before, yes. So what did you do? How did you recruit these amazing people? How did you become number one? I need to know. Okay. All right. So I think what, so number one in real estate, if you're in, in the real estate business, I really believe in psychometrics and algorithms. And so I use Buxton out of Fort Worth. I have nothing to do with Buxton. They've been with me for 20 years. They do the container store. They do everyone else. They created a proprietary program that I helped develop where we look at a profile type of client and we go, where are those people at? And so everyone thought when I started Crunch, I was going to go to Dallas because my relationship with the Jones family being on the, you know, I was the first year I was making the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. I was judge. Mark Cuban was in my stuff. And then I literally took the girls, the ice girls, the Dallas Stars ice girls, and I created the Planetane ice girls, right? So it was like everyone thought I was going to go to Dallas, but the data said go to clean, right? Now, I don't want to live in Colleen, right? I live in Austin, but that's where the data said. So that's where we opened. So number one is location. And not the cheapest location, not the, um, not the cheapest, the best. Number two is, I think our secret sauce is, um, is marketing, right? And so we literally blitzkrieged every medium, old fashioned, new fashioned, when you thought about fitness, we wanted to be the first thing you thought about. So we wanted to dominate that conversation of gross impressions. And so it was marketing and location for us. Tony Arnold, everybody. Let's give a huge round. Thank you. This is the Biz Owners Ed podcast. Connect with us at bizownersed.com. Rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss out on every value-packed episode.